e-scooters in Ireland. This is Wheel Life. Legal reflections on vulnerable road users. The podcast where two experienced lawyers, who also happen to be enthusiastic cyclists, chat their way through topics concerning cyclists and other vulnerable road users from a legal and insurance perspective. Hello and welcome to this episode of Wheel Life. I'm Emily Formby of 39 Essex Chambers. And I'm Caroline Hall of DAC Beechcroft. How are you, Caroline? Nice to see you as we trot along in Series 3 of We Are Live. I can't quite believe we're here. No, and uh, we're back to my favourite topic. As you tell everybody every episode, I try and get this in. So right at the beginning of Series 3, e-scooters it is. But we're going to look at them slightly differently this week. I was going to say, not only is it great to get in there early, as they say, early in the series, but also you found a friend. So we're delighted that you've brought along a colleague of yours to help us talk about e-scooters with a particularly with a bent in Ireland, as the clue was in the title. Yep. Um, So welcome to my colleague and fellow e-scooter geek, uh, David Kennedy, who works in our Dublin office. Hi, David. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Emily. Hi, David. Oh, delighted, delighted to have you along. Well, when we finished the last series, we thought that by the start of this series, we'd hoped that there would have been developments with legislation in UK e-scooters. And we had some reason for optimism. Back in the Queen's speech, uh, the transport bill was flagged up. And within that, a new class of vehicle for low speed, zero emissions, a powered personal transporter was flagged up. Baroness Veer, Parliamentary Undersecretary of State at the time at the DFT, was all on about creating new vehicle classes for e-scooters. And it was going to be uh, planned for later this year that they would legalise e-scooters for use on public roads. But it was funny, wasn't it? Because, of course, although the Queen mentioned it in her speech, um, there was no no detail or substance at all about what it would look like. Um, and, and we had to wait until you know the House of Lords was sitting to get um, Baroness Fierce steer, um, which perhaps should have given us some cause for concern as to um, what a priority it was. But as I think you were about to say, so much has happened since then. Yeah, we hit the summer months. Uh, we had a race for prime minister with nothing happening uh, legislation-wise during that period. We got a new prime minister and then the cost of living crisis started looming its head. Add in the sad death of the Queen and the legislation agenda is a bit on the back foot at the moment. Nothing is going to happen this year, we don't think, in the UK, but maybe heading into 2023. Yeah, I mean, we know that the um, one way that they're trying to cope with it is just to push the e-scooter trials further and further down the line. Um, so originally, the um, as you know, we've had extended dates and extended dates and extended dates. But originally, the e-scooter trials in England and Wales were set to run to the 30th of November 2022. But then there was a local authority option to extend them to the 31st of May 2024. And we know that Trudy Harrison, the Parliamentary Undersecretary of State, um, has, well, she was then, I'm not sure she still is now, but she was then, was um, talking about an, an extension running to the 31st of May and then beyond up until July 2022. But in the amount of reshuffling that um, Liz Truss managed to get done before, as you say, the the, the sad death of the Queen, um, we know Grant Shapps um, has gone from the transport um, post. So it is slightly up in the air as to what is going to happen next. Yeah, and we could revisit the stats that we've used before and we might um, flag them a bit later when we're talking to David and comparing the Irish position to the English position. But 
I think what we wanted to look at, because as we said, there's nothing very much new to mention in England and Wales at the moment. Um, how do we look at e-scooters differently? And we thought, how about looking at another jurisdiction that are ahead of us? Um, well, David might say just ahead of us, but they're definitely moving forward. And they've approached the uh, problem from an entirely different angle, and that's the Republic of Ireland. They've done no trials. They've just gone straight to legislation. But to explain things a bit better, I'm going to hand over to David, um, and he's going to take us through where they are in Ireland at the moment. And no doubt, Emily and I will have quite a few questions for him because there's some intriguing bits that have been flagged up when this issue has been debated, in particular age limits. But handing over to you, David, um, how are things going in Ireland with e-scooters? Oh, thanks, Caroline. So I, I suppose that the current position in Ireland is that there is a bill making its way through our um, our Dáil, which is our uh, Parliament equivalent, essentially called the Road Traffic and Roads Bill 2021. And that essentially has the aim of regulating the use of e-scooters and e-bikes and, and other things on, on Irish roads. I wonder, you know, it, it might just be worth kind of setting out what the current position is now, because obviously the law hasn't come in yet, just to give you some context as to, you know, where we're at currently in Ireland and, and kind of where we're going with it. That would be brilliant. Assume no knowledge on our part whatsoever. Yeah. That would be really great. So I, I suppose the position in Ireland at the moment is governed by a piece of legislation called the Road Traffic Act uh, 1961. And essentially that would define or regard um, an electric scooter as a mechanically propelled vehicle or, or an MPV for short. And essentially that is just defined to include um, a vehicle, uh, the means of which the propulsion is essentially electrical. So um, there's a couple of aspects of the current law that's kind of worth noting and it's kind of what's kind of leading us to the new bill that's going through the parliament at the moment. So the Guardi um, here, our, our uh, police force, basically clarified under the, the current legislation that a scooter is only going to be classed as an MPV if it can be manoeuvred from a stationary position by a motor alone. So if a scooter bike can be propelled other than manually, it will be an MPV. So therefore, most pedal-assisted electrical bikes essentially are not considered MPVs. But then Section 22 of the Road Traffic Act here provides that MPVs are subject to the need for licence, tax and insurance and a helmet in order to use them. That has brought up a number of issues that are essentially unworkable as far as e-scooters are concerned, because in Ireland it's not currently possible to tax or insure e-scooters for use in a public place. So you can effectively only use them on private land. It's exactly the same as in England and Wales as well. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially using e-scooters on, on public roads is not going to be legal until the new leg legislation comes in, which we'll talk about in a second. But the current law essentially creates an anomaly whereby if an electric scooter requires that initial manual propulsion, so for example, by, by a pedaling before the motor is operated, it's not considered as an MPV and it's not covered by the Act. So it basically falls into this no man's land or, or a grey area. Um, and there's a number of grey areas that have essentially been created by the current um, Road Traffic Act. So the net result is really in Ireland at the moment is most, if not all, private users of e-scooters are currently using them illegally. Um, and we see this by the increasing prevalence of them on the roads and, and the footpaths and cities. And the Gardaí um, generally have a, a relatively laissez-faire attitude towards enforcing the current law. Now, that's not to say there haven't been some cases where they've seized e-scooters um, from people, but they regularly turn a blind eye to people using them around um, towns and cities in Ireland. So that's the kind of uh, position at the moment. So what they're doing 
is uh, trying to address this and a bill um, was published um, over a year ago now called the Road Traffic and Roads Bill 2021. It's really an attempt to correct the, the position and what it does or what it proposes to do is create a new vehicle category called a powered personal transporter or a PPT for short. Um, and that's going to allow the use of e-scooters um, without the necessity for um, a license, no need for tax, no need for insurance. And it's going to, I think the basic idea generally is to treat e-scooters in a similar manner to which we currently treat, you know, normal pedal bicycles here in Ireland. So as as, as far as um, what a PPT is, this has kind of gone through different um, levels of debate as to how we define what a PPT is and, you know, what what kind of e-scooter is going to come under this. But essentially, um, it's been been laid out with a number of um, specific defining points in the current bill that we see and you can read online. It'll have a maximum weight of 25 kg, uh, a maximum speed of 25 kilometers an hour. Um, it'll have uh, an electric motor having a maximum continuous rated power of 0.5 kilowatts. And it will be obviously without a seat. It's designed for the movement of a, of a single person. So that's kind of what we are looking to cover as far as PPT is concerned. And, and there's been a lot of micromobility companies feeding into that that kind of definition um, in particular in relation to the power level of the, of the motors in, in particular. So that's a kind of interesting thing. And one of the issues that I always see around the sort of talking about whether it's regulations that are talked about in in England or whether they're, you know, much further forward as they are with you in Ireland. But it's all about regulating the machine itself, regulating the vehicle. But one of the the consequences of the sort of Wild West free-for-all that we've had for quite a long time is there's some really bad rider (laughs) behaviour And, um, you know, one of the things I'm interested in is any discussion around how rider behaviour is corralled or controlled. Because once people have spent two or three years, you know, riding on pavements and bumping through red lights and jumping on and off curbs, it's very difficult to pull that back into a more sort of disciplined way forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, that has certainly been a big talking point as far as some of the submissions that have been made to the Joint Transport Committee here in Ireland. What's envisaged is that the primary legislation will allow for essentially regu- secondary regulations to be made in the form of statutory instruments. And that will essentially govern, I suppose, the micro detail and how, how regulation is going to occur. But I think what's envisaged is that local authorities here will primarily responsible for determining how they regulate the use of, of e-scooters out and about. And, you know, so we're talking about local councils, um, essentially, um, in conjunction with Angardashir Corner in respect of, you know, getting them on the ground and, and really enforcing the use of them. So it's likely to be left to local, local authorities as to how that is exactly going to look. We don't know, but we'll certainly need more engagement from the Gardaí than we have at present. Um, in terms of if you look at how they enforce the current law, which is is relatively hands off, you know, it, it will require an active engagement for sure. I mean, I know one police commissioner in, in England, I'm, I ought to recall who, when talking about e-scooters in in England, was, was saying, well, 
although you know people see them around a lot, they cause or create less than one percent of you know sort of misdemeanor or crime or, or, or what you know criminality, and therefore proportionality. I ought to accord only one percent of police resources to managing it, um, and of course that you know slightly blurring that criminal and, and civil behaviour divide. But but you know one can't help but have some sympathy with that view from the police. You know we direct our resources, but it is really a sort of social behaviour and a sort of social code and it sort of in a way brings up to mind the fact that behaviour it has to be a collaborative conduct you know you can have as many police as you want on every sort of street corner but really there needs to be a sort of civic buy-in to standards of behaviour and I think that's much harder to um, inculcate. It is it's, it's interesting when you listen to some of the um, the micromobility companies that are feeding into the base around the legislation here that the question of, of behaviour certainly come up now you know if you are looking at operating say a shared e-scooter kind of kind of scheme a lot of companies will say well you know they'll embed training in mandatory training into you know apps and and, and whatnot to do that but that doesn't necessarily help in the in the private sphere where you know you can go and buy an e-scooter and you know anyone can essentially you know get on one and it's not as heavily you know, the want of a better word, regulated in a in the private sphere as it might be with local authorities kind of, you know, having jurisdiction over shared e-scooter platforms that might exist here. Well, it also comes back to um, one of the stories I read was about the Met Police officers who'd been told how to stop illegal e-scooters, that only if they could stop the e-scooter safely for the e-scooter rider and for the police officer could they actually stop them. And if you're trying to stop somebody who's upright heading towards you at 15 miles per hour, I don't think the police are going to safely be able to stop. And I suppose this is moving forwards when we're talking about legislation and registration plates and all of these kind of things about how we enforce. There's also that issue of how do you actually enforce something that is a whole new way of travelling? How do you stop somebody safely? How do you protect the police officer and the person riding the e-scooter to make sure that they are doing everything correctly? Yeah, well, I think there's a big education piece to be done. I know that um, a couple of companies are kind of working um uh, with the Irish School of Excellence here. Um, so I think, you know, one such as, I think, TIER currently working with the Irish School of Excellence as far as road traffic safety is, is concerned to develop a, an e-scooter safety course. Um, and that is going to be designed to educate um, transition year students in Ireland. So kind of, you know, 16, 17 year olds who, you know, may be looking to to use e-scooters and there'll be a safety module. So there is kind of pilot schemes like that ongoing. And I think it's really will have to be about the education of, of the general population and really especially the, the younger uh, population because you need their buy-in essentially for safety. And that, that's, that's where it starts, I, I would have thought. Well, this takes us back to the point that I flagged right at the beginning of the episode, which as the legislation has been proceeding through the different houses at, uh, over in Ireland, you flagged that one of the things that has changed has been the age limit in the island are now proposing no age limit at all. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because you know we have obviously there's a there's a self-created age limit with the e-scooter trials at the moment because you have to have a driving license. But even the bikes that you can pick up, the pedal cycles like the Santander bikes in London, you have to be over 14 I think is the limit for those. I mean they're just push bikes. Yeah. I mean it's interesting Ireland so that the, the original draft of the the bill had an age limit of 16 but the latest 
itineration of it has removed the age limit altogether, as Caroline alluded to there. And there's there's a there's a reasonable amount of controversy about it. I mean, the the logic for removing the age limit here is essentially around the issues as far as enforcement of the, of the age limit. So uh, an e-scooter here is the bill will not require to be subject to registration or anything like that. So in, in that respect, what the minister here, um, Eamon Ryan, who's looking after the, the bill primarily, is saying it's going to be impossible for the Guardi to enforce um, or carry out any requirement to, for people to prove their age as far as purchasing and, and using e-scooters. Now, you know, whilst, you know, that, that may be the case, you know, there's probably something to be said also for a deterrent factor of having an age limit in there because, you know, if there's none at all, you know, it may send out the wrong message, perhaps, you know, that, you know, yeah, you know, kids especially should be using them and they're, they're more likely to use them dangerously. I mean, I think we've all probably seen instances of, you know, two or three kids on one e-scooter um, kind of going around and, you know, accidents will will essentially happen. So I, I don't think it's going to be the last on the age limit in terms of as, as the legislation moves through. Um, I think there is going to be more debate on it. But um, at the moment, the plan is to have no age limit in Ireland. On the 3rd of May, Kafir Ben Shushnan, who's the founder and CEO of a specialist e-scooter retailer, Inakim, said that in his experience, he didn't think e-scooters were suitable for 16-year-olds. And in, in fact, his company don't sell them to people under the age of 18. Um, and that was something that he, he was bringing forward. Now, obviously, he's selling private e-scooters. So the areas in which um, he can sell them to people to legally use them is very limited. But that's quite interesting as someone who, you know, is at the forefront of of the dissemination of the e-scooter and the e-scooter revolution. No, well, David slightly alluded to my scare story there in that I was leaving the Bristol office a couple of weeks ago and a, an e-scooter went through red traffic lights in front of me, which I hate to say is a regular occurrence. What was slightly different about it was there was three children riding the e-scooter at the time. Um, they'd ranked themselves in terms of height. So you had the smallest at the front holding the handlebars and then the two behind holding onto each other's shoulders. And they were really quite small. I wouldn't say they were any older than 12, but probably closer to 10. So you had three of them riding a higher e-scooter. They jumped upon the pavement, they weaved in and out of traffic. And I must admit, it's one of the most terrifying things I've had to sit and watch just because I could see potentially what was going to happen in front of me. And they were on a higher e-scooter that they somehow got round the fact that you've got to have a credit card, you've got to take a photograph. However, I don't know how they'd got it, whether or not a parent had hired it and handed it to them. But they had no idea of the rules of the road. They were just seeing it as a toy. They were weaving in and out of traffic, up on the pavement, back in and out, across traffic lights, round pedestrians. That I think they broke every single rule you could possibly come across. And that's obviously an education piece with a younger child using an e-scooter. They haven't taken driving lessons. They don't know what the highway code is. And when David mentioned about Ireland not having um, an age limit, I went and had a look at the other jurisdictions. And there's a few that don't have um, age limits, but you've got Italy is 18, Portugal is 16, Germany is 14, but with a recommended increase to 15. France is 12, but again, I think there's mention of that changing. Belgium had no age limit to begin with and then realised that was a mistake and moved it to 16. But Spain, Finland, Hungary, Norway, Poland and Sweden apparently all have no age limits. Although in Norway, you do have to wear a helmet up until the age of 15 and then you can take it off afterwards. So it does seem to be very hit and miss where these rules come from. And I suppose also 
it depends a lot on the infrastructure, so what your roads are like, where they're going to be used and, and what other kind of um, vehicles you're going to encounter or what the kind of car, scooter intersection is. So um, it must also be quite sort of particular as to, to where they sit. But one thing in the in the intended bill, David, you were talking about the regulations and, and so on and so forth and having sort of one person on them. Um, is it going to be built into the, the statute that it, they are single person only vehicles? Yeah, exactly. So that will be in there for sure. So, you know, it'll essentially, I suppose if there's more than one person on it, will allow um, prosecution under under the Act for people using them illegally, um, um, essentially. So, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I mean, that, that is more of a problem, I think, with, with younger people. I mean, it's interesting when you talk about the roads, like if you, if you take a city like Dublin, which is essentially a, a, a medieval city that was kind of half transformed by, you know, the Georgians, it isn't really a city that, you know, that opens it up self well even to cycling in in a way you know the very narrow streets and 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 whatnot so um I think that will come with its challenges with you know, not just Dublin other other Irish towns and uh, cities. But what's interesting is when you look at Belgium who are lined up for cyclists and are very cycle friendly and they've put an age limit on it so there's there's obviously got had been reasons um, behind that that you've got the structure that potentially you could be segregated and not interact with cars in the same way but there's still an age limit now being imposed. Yeah, I think one of the things that is also really interesting is the purpose of the e-scooters. So, you know, they are really certainly in England championed by the sort of younger end of the market. And we know from the PACT research, it's sort of 16 to 24 year old males use them the most. But if their purpose is really um, to create this sort of last mile revolution of, of transport. One of the things that seems to me a really big issue that isn't grappled in their design so far is carrying stuff. And I mean, it sounds silly and I mention it all the time, but if you are trying to create a transport system that enables you, you know, to, to grab something and pop to the shops or go to the library or, you know, go to catch your train or your bus when you're going to work, you're going to nine times out of 10 have something that you're carrying. And the thing that seems to me the great omission of all of the scooter designs is they have no means to carry anything unless you have a rucksack. And is that something that you see in any of the designs you've seen or is that something contemplated in any of the legislation? Yeah, no, I, to be honest, you know, it's an interesting question. I, I don't think, you know, I haven't seen a huge amount of debate. It's not something that's necessarily covered um, as far as the um, the legislation in terms of defining what a PPT or what an e-scooter might be. I suppose maybe it just assumes that everyone's going to go around wearing backpacks. So I, I, I don't know. I think... You know that there is there's concern just about I suppose the actual quality control in relation to e-scooters. Hence the the um, you know the prescribed definition of of what they are because there has been you know for for instance for a while you could go up to our local Super Value or Tesco and you could buy e-scooters there. And I think there's concern about the actual quality of of them. You know first and foremost as you know more than perhaps. A focus on their utility for you know carrying your laptop to work or, or whatever it may be but I, I think the more people that use them you know it, it'll probably be something that becomes more apparent in in the designs for sure i would have thought 
So, David, has there been much debate in Ireland? Because this is one thing that we've revisited a few times on the issue of third party insurance or registration, because it's the whole how do you track somebody down if you've had an accident or they've caused an accident? And age limit, to be honest, I think it's almost as a given here, but insurance has been a lot more debated. What about in um, Ireland? Yeah, so I suppose that the primary aim of the, the legislation really is to to make sure that there isn't a mandatory requirement for um, insurance for e-scooters. And I suppose, you know, like like I said before, the idea is they want to treat them as 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 bicycles, essentially, um, and they don't want to create any confusion in that respect. And I suppose there's a, there's a few reasons being, you know, they want to encourage people to use them. They want to reduce the barriers for, for people using them um you know particularly with you know our, our kind of climate control hats on um you know the cost of living coming up making it making it economical for people to use them rather than use their cars it doesn't stop obviously e-scooter users um taking out their own insurance cover but you'd have to probably suspect that many many won't i think what's likely to happen is that um and i think it's to, to be debated but when it comes to the shared e-scooter operators, and I think this is what you know, a lot of the legislation is looking to to encourage you know those companies to come into the market. You know, you look at some of those, and in other jurisdictions, they will operate mandatory insurance for people you know taking out there, you know, using their um, using their scooters. It's probably embedded into the price of renting them uh, per se, and it may be that the local authorities here, you know, once the secondary um, regulations are agreed, that you know it becomes mandatory for um you know shared e-scooter operators to to make sure they offer third party insurance i suspect that's probably likely to where where it's going to go but it's it's interesting because there was a, a survey i think carried out at the start of the year by um the aa i think they looked at about 8000 people asked the question as to whether people favored mandatory insurance for e-scooters and they came back that 60% of people in ireland would would have, would have favor mandatory insurance so, you know, it's still up for debate, but it's likely that the bill in that respect will remain as it is. Uh, but I mean, you probably see insurance is more in, op- yeah, in operation as far as those shared shared schemes are concerned, I, I would uh, I would um, envisage. So where are you in terms of beating us to the post with getting this signed off, being in force? What kind of time frame do you predict? So the time frame, um, it's, so it's currently going through the various uh, stages. So the, the current stage that the legislation is at is at committee stage in, in Dáil Éireann, and it's about to enter the next stage, which is called the, the report stage. And that what should happen in the, the final quarter of this year. After that, there'll be a final stage before the bill goes to our Senate for, for debate and approval before then being signed off into law. So I think we're looking at 2023, probably the second half of 2023, given the kind of, the I suppose, the government's preoccupation with costs of living and, and, and whatnot at the moment. And then, you know, there'll be debates on the secondary reg- legislation. Um, and I think there's going to be some secondary legislation around statutory instruments on, on regarding regulation that'll be published, I think, before the end of the year as well. But I think we're looking at 2023, really. Now, it was envisaged that it would come in last year, but as ever, things never progress as quickly as perhaps you, you want them. But all being well, it'll be here in 2023. And I think it, it's interesting, I think you touched on before, Caroline, you know, in, in, in terms of you know, we're going directly for the legislation really before we have, you know, carried out any extensive trialing, especially on the on the roads um, for e-scooters in Ireland. The only trials that really have happened 
um, of note are on university campuses. So there is one, there's one taking place with Dublin City University, uh, DCU, where they've been trialing the use of e-scooters on their campuses, presumably because it's private land and they're able to do so under the current legislation. But, you know, the, the data that they're getting is, is relatively minimal. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out, because I know in the UK, you know, perhaps a different approach has been taken when there's a lot of trial data being collated and whatnot before the law is, is kind of put into place. Well, I suppose you would have all the benefit of all the data that um, we've gathered. But it's interesting because, of course, it gives the ability to put a framework in place to which most people will then naturally adhere. Um, I think the real challenge that our legislators are going to face, and of course, circumstances has delayed it still further because the plan was to put forward a draft bill in the autumn session of Parliament. And I think that must be pretty unlikely. But even then, there will have been you know, a good two years of people just getting used to all manner of things. And we know from the different trials, there's loads of different ways to skin your particular e-scooter cat out there already. So trying to corral all those different bits and pieces into one coherent piece of legislation is going to be you know, quite challenging. But I suppose the opposite way around in Ireland is then you may be trying to amend primary legislation as, as things unfold. Yeah, I, th- I think if you, one of the things that's been highlighted here is the need for the legislation to be somewhat flexible as, you know, to, to account for some changes in technology um, as far as, you know, engine sizes and, and, and motor sizes and, and whatnot. And a lot of the um, the operators have, have kind of fed that in um, and to make sure that we're not locked into particular sort of have maneuverability as far as the future is concerned. I think that's going to be built in some of the language that you'll see in the legislation to allow that room for manoeuvre, you know, as a technology kind of increase. Because I suppose it is a highly innovative space um, and, you know, you'd, you have to anticipate that, that innovation will kind of continue at a pace in the years ahead. Well, and the examples I was just giving about uh, age limit changes in uh, cities and countries in Europe, and they've also changed rules in France across the years and in Germany, they've added insurance in and different bits. So, I think most places have put the legislation in and then it needs to be tweaked afterwards. So almost in this country, we need to get something in. And then if it gets tweaked later, so be it kind of thing. I think it's, as you were just saying, it's a changing area. It's innovative. It's going to change over the years. So put some legislation in and have the ability to change it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like if you look at um, some of the examples, you know, we've talked about other jurisdictions so, I mean, I, I know there was focus on uh, Paris a year or so ago when, you know, the floodgates had opened. There was a number, a significant amount of operators, I think, um, in the city and, you know, a huge amount of e-scooters with kind of little in the way of regulation. So that didn't work out so well. So they had to retract and, you know, look at, you know, a different way of doing it just to make it, you know, uh, uh, safer. So, it, yeah, I think it's important to make sure that, you know, you're, obviously learning from other jurisdictions but also giving yourself the, the flexibility so you know i think that that message has certainly been kind of drummed into the the legislators here as far as the debate around you know what the final bill should look like yeah all very very interesting and we know that the suggestion of how much information you have to carry insurance helmets and number plates are big big issues that are about, about which views tend to be um, in flux as well. So obviously the technical side and and that really interesting sort of interplay between overall speed and 
power of motor, so hefting you up the hill at a slow speed versus, you know, scooting at speed. I mean, all these things are, are changing and society's perception as well with helmets and insurance and number plates, as we know, being raised in relation to bikes as well as scooters. So I guess, as always, we have to watch this space, but it's quite nice to watch the Irish space for a change. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, uh, it's, it's good to see that I suppose we're being proactive um, here, I mean, I, I did, there's one thing I, I think suppose saying that we are ahead of the UK, but then you know a lot of our you know um, counterparts across Europe are, are way ahead of <laughs> us. So in some way, I think <laughs> yeah. both Ireland and the UK are are related to the game um, uh, together. So um, I mean, I think one of the things we do know um, that's happening in Ireland at the moment is that there there's an increase in injuries and accidents, increase in fatalities over the last number of years from e-scooter incidents and there's been a number of studies that have been uh, carried out by um, some notable hospitals in Dublin, namely the Matter Hospital and Connolly Hospital, looking at patients who presented with significant injuries from e-scooter related accidents and you know that's all been published online and you know you can see that you know there are uh, going to be significant issues with, you know, severe orthopedic injuries and, and, and whatnot kind of going forward. So I think even that has kind of alerted, you know, the um, the government here of, of the need to try and do something about this and just tighten up the regulation of e-scooters. Hopefully they'll get it right. But I anticipate that, you know, it, it won't be without its few bumps in the road so to speak so oh we always like a good bump in the road joke when we're talking about e-scooters absolutely but caroline got some fairly grim statistics haven't you about um from the department of transport with their um uh publications of, of, of some of the accidents or the incidents that have been happening in england as well well the thing is it, it depends if you look at the department of transport data or the PACS data because the department of transport data is Looking backwards, it's in terms of police forces aren't necessarily recording e-scooter incidents in the same way because they don't have the button to do it at the moment and that kind of thing. But where we're looking at um, last year, for example, there was 63 pedestrians were seriously hurt in the country. But the PACS data flags that since 2019, 18 people have died using e-scooters. Whereas I see from the study that you're on about, David, in Ireland, that there were two people had died since 2020. So lesser figures but it still just shows the impact that if you've got two people in Ireland dying and we've got 18 with a high population since 2019 it shows that there are issues here. Yeah I think one of the other issues is the nature of injuries as you said David the um, orthopaedic injuries but also in particular because people are standing up and actually most of the accidents seem to be people either ramming their scooter into something immovable like a tree or tipping up and falling forward there are quite a high incidence of head injuries and and perhaps much higher than you might anticipate and certainly higher than you get with bicycles and so forth when you think you'd be much more uh, likely to hurt yourself and that's quite interesting yeah it's interesting in the context there's been a lot of talk about whether we should have mandatory helmets for e-scooters here and you know it's fairly clear now that that won't be in in the legislation and a number of the operators have you know supported that but you know as you know like it's not mandatory for helmets with bikes for instance um here but hopefully you would you'd hope that people would wear them in any event just from a, a safety point of view and to protect themselves but that's where it's going so yeah you will see more 
or head injuries for sure. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that whole um, thing and, and helmet wearing is something that we should come back to and, and revisit. Perhaps give it its whole episode of its own because um, the way in which people are hurting themselves and injuries is another new and unfolding arena. Well, thank you for your time today, David. Um, as Emily said, it, it's it's good to look at a different perspective on e-scooters um, and seeing that maybe we're not as behind as we think we are, but we're still trailing. We might get something out this autumn, but I agree with you, Emily. I think it's looking unlikely, bearing in mind where we are in September and everything else that's going on at the moment. Yes, I agree, but it's always fun to watch the e-scooter space. So thank you so much, David, for giving up your time to come and chat to us. Really lovely to meet you and our first guest of Series 3. So that's a a very special slot, if only you knew it. (laughs) Thank you very much, Emily, and thank you, Caroline. Thanks, David. Bye. Thanks for listening. Wheel Life is brought to you by international law firm DAC Beechcraft and Barrister's Chambers, 39 Essex Chambers. Discover more articles, podcasts and webinars over at dacbeachcroft.com and 39essex.com.